prayer for elimination. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. The scripture reading is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to the Lord and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. I invite you to be in prayer with me and for me. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks this day and always for your holy and living word, its meaning in our lives today and forevermore. And we ask in these moments now that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, this gospel lesson is perhaps one of the most familiar stories in all of Luke's gospel. We hear people talk about the two sisters and we ask one another, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? In my experience, this gospel lesson even stirs up in some people strong emotions. Maybe you're one of those people who doesn't really appreciate the assumed message here. Maybe you're like me at times, wanting to rush in and defend Martha. She is working so hard. Well, my mother is kind of like me. And I'll share with you this story that many years ago, she attended this thing called a walk to Emmaus. I imagine that some of you worshiping online have either heard of this spiritual retreat or maybe you've gone on a walk to Emmaus yourself. One of the things that takes place during this retreat time is that there are a variety of talks shared by clergy people, by lay people, and everyone in attendance at these retreats is invited to sit at a table together. And that's how they are broken up into small groups. So after all of the attendees hear the talk, in their small group time around the table, they're invited to discuss the talk and to reflect upon it. And then they are asked to provide some sort of response to the entire group it can be a song, it can be a poster, something like that. Well, at this retreat, there was a pastor who gave a talk and he was talking about the importance of prayer. And he used as a reference this very gospel lesson about Mary and Martha. Well, the time comes for all of the small groups to present their projects. And at my mother's table, the women decide to act out the gospel story, but 
they do so with their own twist on it. You see, one of the women um, decided to play the role of Jesus, and so she's simply sitting in a chair. Another woman has Mary written in poster across her um, chest, and she's sitting um, at Jesus's feet as Mary. And then there's another woman with a sign, Martha, on it, and she's standing off to the side, and she's miming. Um, she's going through these certain hand motions that look like she's doing chores. She's sweeping, and she's washing dishes. And finally, the woman playing Martha goes over to the woman sitting down, Jesus, and says, Jesus, Mary is just sitting there, and I'm left to do all the work. Why don't you tell her to get up and help me? And at that point, the woman playing Jesus stands up and says, Mary, why don't we go into the kitchen and help Martha out? We can all clean and cook and prepare the meal. And then after that, we can sit and visit with one another. I'm told, I'm told that at that moment, the entire room at this retreat center broke out into a thunderous applause. You know, I can actually imagine a scenario having taken place at another time in another place where Jesus is joining in the action and asking others to get up and do the same. Perhaps yet another story from the life of Jesus that didn't make it into the Bible. But today, this day, this is the story that is presented to us. What does it have to say to us today? Well, here's what I've come to know. I've come to know that drawing a stark comparison between Mary and Martha by stereotyping Mary as the good and holy sister and Martha as the bad and unfaithful sister, why that is cheap and shallow theology. It misses the point entirely. After all, Jesus was forever calling us to both a life of prayer and action on behalf of others. The very placement of this story of the sisters in the larger gospel narrative is strategic and it underscores the importance of both prayer and action. You see, the story is framed by a lesson about action and a lesson about prayer. Just prior to the reading for today, just verses earlier, look, look at your Bible. In Luke's Gospel, we find just verses earlier the very story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus calls us to serve our neighbors. And just after the story of Mary and Martha, just verses later, we find Jesus teaching the disciples to pray, instructing them with words that we know today as the Lord's Prayer. You see, the Jesus who calls us to serve our neighbor is the same Jesus who calls us to pray. The same Jesus who healed the hurting and fed the hungry is the same Jesus who went off by himself sometimes to get alone time with God. John Wesley is the founder of Methodism and the way he talked about this was by using the language of the works of piety, which is to say our prayer life, and the works of mercy, which is to say our embodied faith in the world, how we live out what we say we believe. Wesley was an Anglican priest in the Church of England and he grew frustrated with what he saw taking place in the church. 
What he observed is people becoming more and more inward focused and the church being filled with people who were elitists. What he longed for instead was a church filled with worshipers who were always mindful of what was going on outside the walls of the church. University UMC, your Wesleyan roots are evident in the many ways that your heart is open to what's going on in the community and in our world. Actions taken in response to what is going on, trying to make a difference for good. Wesley thought more pastors should be visiting those in prison and that churches should be welcoming and caring for the poor. You know, this reminds me that once I heard somebody talk about the way churches are built these days, and he said, putting stained glass windows in the church is what we used to do. But today, he said, I wonder if instead today we should not use stained glass, but instead all around the sanctuary have clear glass so that those of us worshiping can look outside to what's going on in the community. John Wesley lived this image and our own Wesleyan roots stir us to action today. They also call us to a life of prayer. A life of piety is perhaps an ancient and um, awkward language. Call it what you will, a life of contemplation, a life of holiness, tending to your own spiritual life, nurturing your own relationship with God. These things are important to a whole life of faith. In the weeks ahead, in the sermons, we're gonna take a look at our church's understanding of the sacraments, Holy Communion and Baptism. These are important parts of our worshipful life together. And later in September, Pastor Heather will share about the importance of spiritual disciplines and practices. All of these things keep us in love with God and out of that grows our works of mercy, our desire to do all the good we can and to do no harm. You see, when Jesus spoke to Martha, he was not chastising her for being busy. Instead, he was inviting her to rest. The invitation is for any of us who, like Martha perhaps, look upon the world and all of its pain, and we think to ourselves that it's up to us to fix everything. Jesus' invitation to Martha is an invitation for any of us who forget that there is a God and that it isn't us. It's an invitation for any of us who can grow cynical it's an invitation for any of us who take ourselves too seriously. Friends, next weekend, as I record this next weekend, is Labor Day weekend. And I imagine that many of us have plans. Plans for some time off, plans for some fun, perhaps even time for some rest. And all of that is well and good. But as we look to Labor Day, I hope we will look to it through the lens of Jesus's invitation to a life of prayer and action. That when we accept the invitation to rest, we will also consider both our worshipful life as well as the well-being of those beyond our worshipful circle. That in our resting, we don't neglect the common good. John Wesley was known to say, 
There is no holiness without social holiness. He was especially concerned with the plight of the poor. He cared for coal miners and other oppressed workers. He opposed slavery, and after Wesley died, his followers continued his work, working to ensure just work practices in factories, especially as England rapidly became more industrialized. It was by 1908 that a social creed was adopted, and that social creed called for an end to child labor, for fair wages, and for safety standards. I wanna close by sharing with you a part of our social creed and how it reads today. We believe in the right and the duty of persons to work for the glory of God and the good of themselves and others, and in the protection of their welfare in so doing, in the rights to property as a trust from God, collective bargaining and responsible consumption, and in the elimination of economic and social distress. May it be so, for this is the life that Jesus calls us into, for our own sake and for the sake of others. Friends, when Jesus was sitting down with Mary and Martha, the question for us today is not, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? The question is, how will you and I follow in the way of Jesus, the one who took time to pray and the one who was called to act for the sake of the whole world, for the sake of love. Amen.